Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 32 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. Adam, how is it going today? I mean, I think it's going okay, but I'm now on steroids and I wonder if that'll make me twitch. I don't know. Um, So we'll see how it goes. Let's ask our resident steroid expert, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. (laughs) He's shown shown up on every other show, I thought he might just (laughs) appear and do the intro and then leave again. I can confirm I did not buy them from him. Oh, um, they're not Pro. Nah, it was just prescribed. The, the, the doctor seemed legit. I, mm-hmm. I have to just go with it. Yeah. Well, Brett said in his in his book that the doctor that they used with WWF seemed legit as well. Is it just a case of taking the the thing and, and jabbing it in your in your bum cheek? It's it's just pills. It's oh. just pills. It's it's so much less. Um, Oh, I don't know the right word. I was going to say sexy, but that's not the right word. Uh, glamorous? Dirty? Is, is jamming a needle in your ass glamorous? <laughs> Probably not. Wow. Um, We're yeah. starting hot. I like it. <laughs> so how are you? I am good, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I, um, I, think I've, I think I've questioned multiple times your choice for, for this week. <laughs> <laughs> and wondered, you know, like I, I think context is key when it comes to to the show that you've picked out for us. So, yeah, I, I think doing what we've been doing, watching things in isolation, sometimes um, has been fun. Yeah, but this one yeah. has required a little bit more um, research and a bit, a bit, uh, a bit extra finding out a bit more about it. Yeah, I think that's fair because a lot of what we're going to talk about is the before and the after um, and this is kind of a central piece to a, a big storyline that's on the go at this uh, point in time there's the, yeah the, the, uh, for a 49 minute show there's a lot to talk about so let's let's go for it yeah um, but you know what I like to do before we start Adam oh yes I yes like to remind you how old we are <laughs> yeah okay so 5th of February 1988 is where we are today. We're, we're talking about WWF's main event. Main event number one. Um, there's only five main events, I believe. Yeah. Um, hosted on a Friday night, and they are described as a spin-off to WWF's successful show, Saturday Night's Main Event. Yeah. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably talk about uh, what the, the whole purpose here was, but... It, it, it's essentially wrestling for casuals. Is what I would dis- describe it as. Is that yeah, fair? I think that's fair. I mean, I'm sure you told me at a point how many people apparently watched this event, which seemed insane. I, uh, I believe it's still the most watched wrestling show ever, which in a, something like 33 million people watched it. Yeah, which is crazy. It's, it's unimaginable in in this era. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, Basically, it, it feels like a, I don't know, a one-off TV special. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they obviously want to get their big stars out there and uh, have them front and centre as well as referencing where we are storyline wise and where we need to go and mm-hmm. where we need to get to. Yep. Um, and then obviously of all these big stars, they put you know the, this crucial tag team match on at the end and they have to cut it off from the feed. It's uh, yeah. Apparently the the tag match at the end didn't make it through the broadcast because oh, the really? TV. Yeah, the the TV cut off. Um, so watching it on the network, you, you kind of just see, but there's no commentary. You just see the very end of this match, um, which I was wondering about because it looks like the match lasts like. A minute, yep. but according to Wikipedia, it lasts ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. We, so we, we do get a whole we get a Hogan uh, interview in the middle of it as well. To be fair, yeah. If that's so what you would call that, I'm not sure. Yeah, so I'm assuming that's going on in the ring while uh, we are seeing the the interview. Um, yeah. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's basically a two match show and then a tiny bit on at the end, yeah. um, which. Uh, when I picked it, I actually thought, oh, is this enough? Is this enough to do a show around? Um, but I think, yeah, we've we've sort of figured out that with the before and the after, it's definitely enough for us to talk about here. To talk about, right, right yeah. before, before we get into it, like I said, you know what I like to do? I like to make us feel old. So here are February 1988. Here's some births um, and, and, and our UK and US number one. So... Born in February 1988, our favourite quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, definitely not our favourite Argentinian footballer, and Angel Di Maria. Oh, okay. And um, and our favourite Caribbean pop star. Is she Caribbean? Am <laughs> I making Rihanna? I don't know if she is or not. Okay. Um Barbados, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'll stay out of that. Okay. I'll get it wrong. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so that was our. I mean, nothing compares to to '89 and Alex Morgan, Gareth Bale. We're, we're we're going to struggle to beat that. But that's a good yeah. trio. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, a really uh, non-controversial thing happened this year as well. Mike Tyson got married to Robin Givens. Oh, okay. I'm sure they lived happily ever, ever <laughs> after. Oh dear. That's terrible. Yeah, I shouldn't have laughed. I apologise. <laughs> uh, um, US number... Check out Tiffany with the, the double header, UK and US number one with two different songs. Oh. She was, uh, uh, surely one of them's I think we're alone now. UK one, yep. Oh yes. I'm not going to get the US one if it's not that because I didn't know she did another song. Uh, US one could have been. Which is... I mean, that sums up the, the show we're about to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Big Tiff. Nice. Double header. She must have been she must have been rolling in it. Yeah, no wonder she never had to make any more music. That was it. She also said, didn't we do somebody last time and they sounded like they would have been a um an, an EastEnders character. Tiffany also sounds like Tiffany oh Tiffany. <laughs> sounds like she would also be <laughs> Oh dear. So that was us. We feel old. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the main event. Um before before we talk about because obviously, like we've said, there's there's essentially two matches on the card. Yeah. Um let's talk about Vince McMahon and trying to appeal to more than wrestling fans. It's like defined as 
defined his would you call him, would you say it's his career defined his career as yeah. the owner of WWF? Yeah, yeah, I think so because he has always tried to get out of that bubble. We make um, movies, yeah. XFL. I don't know. Everything seems to be about like we're not wrestling. Mm-hmm. Don't call yeah. it wrestling. <laughs> and it's, it's it's funny because I I get the impression watching some old stuff and old interviews that he's always thought that, but I don't know. It, it, there was definitely a point where it became clear because mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there was a story. I think it was maybe on the the Monday Night Wars series mm-hmm. where uh, when Ted Turner bought. Uh, Jim Crockett Promotions and created WCW and they'd previously worked together and it hadn't gone brilliantly he phoned Vince McMahon and said I'm I'm getting in the wrestling business and apparently Vince McMahon said to him oh well we're in two different businesses mm-hmm. I'm in the entertainment, the business. entertainment business so he's clearly always had that mindset so it's so bizarre I mean they called her what, what do you call it flag tent, tent what, what would you <laughs> they called it Wrestlemania uh-huh. <laughs> and then the wrestling was secondary for some reason. It's so yeah. bizarre. It's it's it, it always to me has always come across of being embarrassed of what you are. Yeah, and I I think I can always understand somebody who's just determined to succeed in another field. But I think I don't know this for sure, but I get the impression pretty much everything they've done out with has been a money loser, mm-hmm. um, and the money made from WWF, WWE, has kept everything else propped up. Yeah, I think so. We spoke about WWF New York, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah. It does seem that they, he's tried his hand at so many different things. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and this this definitely seems, i described it as, you know, like wrestling for casuals. Um, they've probably stuck at least three of their... Uh, Three of their most recognisable stars, at least on this show, yeah, um, and it's, it's clearly designed to to say like, you know, like this is fun. Come watch this sort of thing. Try yeah. and get as many eyes on it as possible. Um, yeah, and and I don't know. Uh, where do you think? I've, I I suppose I don't fully understand the impact of this show, <laughs> um, and you might know a bit better than me. Yeah, I mean. Uh... I know certainly from a TV point of view, it's obviously huge. And what they're trying to do is uh, drive the the ratings for the regular shows. But also, um, you know, apparently in these days, you used to make a hell of a lot of money from your house shows. And I think, you know, in modern times, that's almost become secondary. Um, mm. You you basically, people, I'm sure I've heard uh, people who've worked in the industry say that, your TV used to be an advert for your house shows, and then you sell out every house show because people want to see these guys they've seen on TV. Yeah, it's very similar to making an album and, and then touring it, and you make your money yeah, for touring it. Absolutely. Um, and also, you know, I suppose still relatively new in the pay per view era, mm-hmm. um, they want to drive big buys for their shows. Um, and I can't remember where we were in terms of. So SummerSlam was born in 88, wasn't it? Um, and I think the Survivor Series was... Would that already exist at this point? Yeah. Uh, Hold on. <laughs> Go. Yeah, so we're, we're at a stage where we've got three 
uh, pay-per-views in the calendar year um, with WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. Mm. Um, and as we just very quickly, subtly researched, um, <laughs> the Royal Rumble did exist, but it had been a TV event, I believe, to go opposite a, a Jim Crockett or a WCW show that was basically at the same time. So really? they tried to yeah, stop people paying for that. Um, sneaky, sneaky. But yeah, so they obviously want to use big TV events like this to to drive people towards paying for the pay-per-views. Um, and uh, as I say, selling out the house shows, which is huge business for them at this time of year. So like you mentioned, getting certainly three of their biggest stars uh, at the time on a, a TV show like this that has obviously gone on to attract incredible viewership. Um, it should be a brilliant advert for the company. I think the interesting thing is, I think I mentioned there's only been there was only five of these shows. Um, yeah. I assume they were done on a kind of wait and see type basis. I want to say that the next one after this was a year later. Okay. Um, okay. The, yeah, the, uh, and I read that by the time the fifth one um, was shown, that the viewership had. Dwindle, it's something like six million or something, like that, which right, is ridiculous. Okay. You know, like, yeah, that would be huge now, exactly, absolutely huge, exactly. But yeah. in a world where you know there's only uh, limited channels and that sort of thing, yeah, obviously, 30, for, to go from 33 million to six million, yeah, um, says something. I'm sure that the uh, the main event of that was like Hogan and Tugboat versus Dino Bravo and Earthquake, okay, okay, so. Yeah, things have changed. I mean, we had we had Strike Force versus the Heart Foundation as the main event now, so <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, <laughs> but uh, very difficult to say if it's dwindled because you know, who knows who knows why? Like maybe, maybe you've converted thirty three thirty three million of those people, or sorry, I don't know, half of these people might have went and bought WrestleMania four as a pay per view. Yeah, and that's. Obviously, why they, what you're describing as to why they did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And if they got 33 million eyes on this, you have to assume it was great for business in, in every aspect. Yeah, and how shows, oh, that, that, that show that was on the TV, let's go and see it. Mum and Dad, mm -hmm. I want to go and see Hulk Hogan. I want to go and see Andre the Giant. Yeah. They're yeah. Coming, coming to the city or whatever. So. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to go from from there. Where where where. Where would you like to go from it's, it's so I suppose the, the the important thing to it is difficult because it's uh, it's an event in isolation but it is part of uh, ongoing storylines so there was a couple of things I wanted to mention before we we talk about the show okay sure um one being we've obviously had the WrestleMania 3 main event which is like what 11 months ago at this point or something mm -hmm. like that um and at that event, um, Hulk Hogan faced Andre the Giant for WWF Championship. Um, they had been close friends. They had uh, a storyline where, you know, Andre was getting a bit sick of Hogan being the man and uh, some great segments like in, uh, I, th I think it would have been a Piper's Pit where uh, Andre rips the shirt off Hogan, uh, rips off his, his crucifix as well uh, while he's doing it. Um, and Andre has aligned himself at that point with Bobby Heenan. Um, so Andre the Giant, before any of this, was really a big babyface. Um, he 
he was kind of used as even at that point as a special attraction uh, obviously huge uh, physically um and well known everywhere um so he he wasn't you know the guy that was on tv every week he was very much a, a special attraction um and they've decided he should be like the ultimate monster heel that hogan would face so in that match hogan goes for the, the body slam um, I don't know what Andre's weight would have been, but probably five hundred pounds ish or wee bit wee bit lower maybe. Um and they they do an angle where uh Hogan get he, he can't lift him, Andre drops on Hogan, the ref counts two, um, Hogan gets a shoulder up, and he actually, to be fair, quite clearly gets a shoulder up, but there's been this storyline going that uh, it should have been a three and Andre had it won. Um, so he was in, in a way screwed. Um, so it's almost like now he, he has justifiable reason to, to demand rematches and things like that. And I think the indication is they've not actually had a one on one match since that point. That's certainly the way that, uh, Jesse Ventura plays this up, mm-hmm. uh, when we get to the event. So yeah, just as a general storyline, uh, sense of what's been going on there, um, and Andre has now, aligned himself with Ted DiBiase. So... I mean, you say he's aligned himself with Ted DiBiase, but <laughs> what what they, what they say is that Ted DiBiase has bought him. Yeah. Which is so, a really uncomfortable <laughs> phrase to use. So I think the way they were telling it at the time was that he'd bought his contract from Bobby Heenan. Um, so basically Ted DiBiase was now Andre's manager, which is a bit weird because of how we're going to see things pan out, but um, he he'll he'll be at his side um, and helping him uh, every step of the way. But the whole intention of this pairing is that Ted DiBiase wants the world championship. Ted DiBiase doesn't believe he can beat Hulk Hogan in a match, so he needs somebody else to get that championship and then hand it over. So that's basically the plan. Um, who, who better than Andre? to do that for them. Yeah, and uh, and you can look as a fan and, you know, uh, I don't know what the situation would have been with kayfabe at this time. It was probably plenty of people believing what they were seeing were real, was real. Um, but... What do you mean? You, you, you would... Nothing, it's okay. <laughs> uh, but you would, I think, as a fan, look and legitimately think, well, how could you beat that guy? He's massive. He's ridiculous. Oh, I, tell, uh, I could tell you. <laughs> Just run and punch him loads. <laughs> and and once you've punched them a few times, bounce off the ropes and then punch them. That'll do it. Yeah. And a few chops. That that'll definitely Sorry. do it. So uh yeah, we're heading for the main event where the story is Andre is gonna get his next shot at Hogan. He's gonna get his title shot. Um And bizarrely to me, they used the the first ever Royal Rumble. They basically used this as a raw. <laughs> the first Royal Rumble um, to set up Andre and Hulk and, and I, I don't know how limited they were in their opportunities to get on TV as far as so they obviously had Saturday night's main event yeah um, I think do you think that would be it? yeah I'm not sure when shows like Superstars or Primetime would have would have become uh, part of their, their regular programming mm. um, they're, they're the sort of old school shows that Come to mind for me. Yep. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, but I'm I not. I feel like you just like pulled something from the, a, a <laughs> bit of my brain that I wasn't aware was there when you said <laughs> prime time. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, those shows could have been about, but I, I believe in terms of like viewership and all that, Saturday night's main event was their big show. Right. Um, it all changed massively because, you know, people started going out on Saturday nights and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, it'd be probably unthinkable now that you would have your big show on a Saturday night. Yeah. So anyway, I, they use the Rumble as a vehicle to get these two together in the ring and they do the classic uh, contract signing. Yeah. Um, and I just want to mention what Hogan is wearing <laughs> to this contract signing. It's very bizarre to see him in like baby blue. Yeah, it doesn't quite look right, does it? He looks like he's cat. What was the the movie that we watched? Uh, no holds barred. He looks like his character from No Holds Barred. <laughs> he's got like snakeskin boots, jeans, and like a baby blue shirt on. And Andre looks like a complete badass. He's yeah, got braces on. I look great, brilliant. Yeah, um, but they, they set they set things up there, and I think is at this point is it at this point that uh, Andre just starts choking him. I yeah, think he flips the table on him, and he's like choking him. Yeah, he's, he's big hands round him. Round his and neck. they they make it pretty clear that he's kind of being led by Ted DiBiase yeah. as well. They they keep sort of. You see DiBiase just in the background, you know, uh, he's got his laughs and all that. Um, cause I think it's actually DiBiase Hogan lunges at and Andre kind of catches him. Um, nice. and then, uh, pushes him over with the table. And then, yeah, that's that. Hogan's getting a beat down. And they've got Virgil there as well as, as DiBiase's bodyguard yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the sort of main part of build up towards this. Yeah, um, and that we we hear. St- I think it, it comes a little bit later on in the show where we hear stories about um, uh, like Andre, or you see a video of Andre ha- attacking Hogan from behind when Hogan's like mid match and things like that. Um, and it's all it's all just part of the build. Um, but there's there's obviously whatever TV they did have at this point. There's these little bits and pieces happening mm-hmm. now and then just to to keep the story going. And in a really I'm not saying I'd love everything to go back to the old ways, but you could build things so slowly, which I, I liked. It was just pretty cool, and and probably really like easy to keep on as a as a viewer. Yeah, to keep on top of what's going on. Yeah, um, um, I think the only other sort of notable thing in the build, uh, or certainly in the storyline that's going into these shows, is. Um, I didn't watch Royal Rumble, so I'm not sure what his role would have been at this, but Randy Savage has been undergoing a little bit of a transformation. Um, so he is going to be one of the other featured performers on this show. He, when, you know, probably the last big event, uh, pay-per-view event anyway, that, that he was prominent at, uh, he was a heel losing the Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. at WrestleMania 3 to, to Ricky Steamboat and uh, he was very much a heel he was always shouting at Elizabeth and all that kind of thing and just acting a bit um, maniacally uh, and he the, he'd started getting some traction from the crowd the crowd had started to go with him just kind of organically um, I think probably the look the appreciation of the in-ring work the fact he's with Elizabeth all that kind of thing Um so from sort of late 97, the, the crowd just started to go with him. So they decided to make the change and make him babyface. Uh, and that is going to become a lot more relevant uh, when we get into talk about the aftermath yep. of the main event. Yep. 
Um, something that I was going to mention was obviously as you touched on there, we've got Honky Tonk Man, Intercontinental Champion versus uh, sorry, uh, Macho Man is who's who, aye, Honky Tonk Man's champion. Yeah, Honky yes. Tonk Man's champion. Aye, Hon- this, Hon- yeah. Honky Tonk Man's Intercontinental Champion versus Randy Savage. Um, backstage, I think the idea was for Savage to win. Uh, for Honky Tonk to drop the Intercontinental title and um, from what I've heard and read Honky Tonk did himself a bit of politicking <laughs> um, did himself a bit of I can end up going I've got options to go elsewhere if you're going to make me drop the title uh, yeah. have you heard this? Aye? yeah I have um, it's not going to work out brilliantly for him but um, I suppose short term maybe but uh, it's not going to hurt Randy Savage either. Um, no, absolutely not. The, the no. way things pan out. No. So, yeah, because I always wondered when I'd heard that, at what point have they made the decision uh, for WrestleMania 4 of where they're going to go? Um, well, I've, well, I've I think it must have been plans change, pal, because as as far as as far as far I'd heard and read, DiBiase was basically, uh, this was all set up for DiBiase basically to get a run mm-hmm. yeah. as champion. Um, um, we know that at this point in time, they know that Hogan is going to film Suburban Commando. Yeah. Um, so they need somebody to step up. And as far mm-hmm. as as far as I've heard and read, it's DiBiase that was going to be the man. It does make you wonder if the um, like the reaction that uh, Savage started getting maybe just planted something in Vince's mind. And he, in the old days, he loved a babyface champion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost always a babyface champion. Really? Yeah, um, I think it was against, it's totally different to what most territories did. They liked to have a heel champion and the babyface chasing. Um, But, uh, you know, because I think it gives you a little bit more legs. Finally, that guy's going to get his comeuppance, you know, that kind of thing. But no, obviously, I suppose Vince's hand was maybe forced by who Hulk Hogan was and how huge he was. so this would have maybe been the logical time to change things up a bit and go heel champion, but yeah, there's there's been a change of plan at some point. The thing, like, like so, Andre just never never should need the title. No, yeah. Um, aye, I think you described you, you said they were using them as a special attraction. I think, like, like I say, aye, it's like the, you know, like recently when the Fiend's been champion, and it's just a bit like, oh, you've you've kind of lost. Yeah, you've lost what you're doing here. It's got yeah. your character, and he doesn't really need that. It's got his own lane, sort of thing. And it kind of forces you into having them on the TV and the pay per views, like every time around, and almost. They need to talk and I exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, the, these characters, I think the Fiend's a good example. Far better uh, in small doses. Um, but yeah, and Andre, I think by this stage is. He's not very mobile. He's he's struggling to, to perform matches. So uh, I think that fits well into the special attraction rule as well. Mm. The fact that he's, he's only going to be at some of the big shows. And just before we get into the wrestling, um, I feel like, you know, we're talking about Vince chasing this sort of dream of going, being something more than wrestling. Yeah. Um, I feel like another thing that he's chased throughout our uh, lives as wrestling watchers is another Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a spectre hanging over throughout the years when you look through all these different 
people that have got pushes and been there for, you know, really small periods of time and they just clearly not got it at all, but they're just massive. Yeah. Um, and there's one just now, you've got Omos that uh, we've spoken about before in WWF and it's just like he's got this blind spot for a giant. Mm-hmm. Um, giant yeah. Gonzalez, Great Kali. Who else we got? There's another one I thought of. Uh, Big Show, of um, course. <laughs> who who was probably the most successful out of any of the attempts, yep. um, but never quite had that aura about him. No, um, uh, there was something I think unique about Andre the Giant because you, you did see him even just on video when you're watching. I think, oh, yeah, uh, that guy's just massive. Yep. I was watching something earlier before we started recording. Um, it was from 1976. It was Ernie Ladd versus Andre, and Ernie Ladd's six foot nine, um, and he just looked, you know, he just looked so small. Wow! And I was thinking, imagine seeing Andre for the first. Imagine being in the crowd in the territories for the first time and seeing Andre, and never having seen anybody like that before. Yeah, and not having the benefit of t, you know, like seeing stuff like that on the TV. Imagine what that must be like. It'd be amazing because, and and if you're in that crowd, if you're at the event and you actually see him walk past or something like that, you'd just be staring up like, uh, what? Yeah, that'd be amazing. That that's the whole that's the whole attraction thing, isn't it? it just yeah, uh, it must be amazing. Yeah. Okay. So okay. should we jump in to that? Let's go to the action and in inverted commas. Um, yeah. We're in Indianapolis, Indiana. I was surprised we weren't in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, so was I. I when I put it on, I expected it to be uh, Madison Square Garden. I, thought, I saw something pop up and I thought, did that say Madison Square Garden? It was like, no, Market Square Arena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we have Vince and a strangely dressed Jesse the Body Ventura on commentary. <laughs> and I, I suppose... To mention that this is so strange. This is nothing like anything else that we've watched before, <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I knew that going in, but I don't know if I expected it to be quite as different than anything we've seen before. Yeah, e- even now, even you know, like even with the benefit of having had Ron SmackDown for how many years? Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's odd. So it's right off the bat, we're straight in to promos from Macho Man. And the honky tonk man. Um, then we're into more promos. Andre and 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 DiBiase, um, yeah. and Andre looking terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Uh, we've got <laughs> Hulk Hogan. You know, like we've not even been introduced yet. It literally comes on, and we've got mm-hmm. how many? One, two. Three, four promos. Four promos, yeah. Hogan straight in there talking about going through hard times. A Hulk, a lot, of, a lot of Hulkamaniac references. Mm-hmm. It felt period. like a, a sort of classic vintage Hogan promo. Uh-huh, it did. Yeah. Um, and then we get our titles. So we get these sort of wonderfully eighties TV titles, like a game show or like a sitcom with the. Um, like showing us the characters that are going to be on the show with like little bit, you know, little things mm-hmm. saying their names next to them. Yeah. Um, and then we're welcome to, to the show, and the crowd are mental. Yeah, they're very, very hyped. Um, 
Yeah, I, I noticed that. I've noticed it in a lot of shows we've watched recently, just how into things the crowd are. And I don't know if it's just the fact we, we watched quite a lot of more modern stuff and maybe they're just not quite like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe too busy looking at their phones. Millennials, eh? Yeah. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, Vince welcomes welcomes us, uh, like I say, with an oddly dressed Jesse Ventura. And I, I messaged you about this and I said, what is he wearing? And you said, yeah, he used to wear pretty strange outfits mm-hmm. around about this period of time. And then I had WrestleMania 4 on and uh, true to your word, yeah, he was also dressed really, really strange there. So, yeah, he's but, a fl- flamboyant guy. Certainly, is. he's the body. He was immediately like right at this intro with Vince backing all the heels to win, yep. and he's like your. He was obviously your classic heel commentator in in those early days, but he's so shameless about it. It's funny, isn't it? Because we're talking about this being like to appeal him uh, for a like, sort of mass appeal. Mm-hmm. Type thing, and you th- you would think that they might go with uh, you know, like th- these two are essentially your narrators, so you're you're connecting with these two people to tell you what's happening. Yeah, and, and he's like just skewing your whole perception. <laughs> if you know, if you've never seen this before, you don't know that he what he's saying is yeah, it's quite funny. interesting. Yeah, um, there's a few sort of sound. Issues uh, dotted throughout this. I don't know if yeah. it's just with it being like a, a new thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of time you can actually... I think Vince and, and, and Ventura's... Are, I think they're actually speaking over the speakers, the tannoy in the building. Yeah, um, yeah. It's very difficult to hear them. Yeah, I, I'm always intrigued by that because I don't think... Well, certainly later on that, that wasn't the norm. To be like coming across over the tannoy, mm-hmm. um, and I always thought you, you would probably miss out on a lot if you're in the crowd. Um, and I like the idea of being able to hear the announcers, but I always thought it just wouldn't work. Nah. <sighs> um, so from there, we having already had multiple promos. We <laughs> go straight in to a very intense Rocky style montage of Hulk Hogan working out for this match with Andre the Giant. And strangely, it is set to Jake the Snake's music. I don't know if you caught that. I did, yeah. Yeah, I noticed it. Very weird. Um, yeah, because I don't know. I know that there was a period of time where not everyone got entrance music. Um, and so, I, But I was wondering, because uh, Jake the Snake was on this show, but he was on the one of the dark matches. Right. Um, and I'm thinking, would, would he have come out to that music? Um, <laughs> but there's no way of knowing, unfortunately. That's a good point. Do you want me to go through what the dark matches were? Go for it, because there's some in there I think would have been really good. Aye. So I did try to find them. Um, I wondered if some cheeky wee scamp might have put them on YouTube, but they weren't available. So Okay. Uh, okay. So we might know some. Billy Jack Haynes and Ken Patera versus Axe and Smash of Demolition. Yep. Would have been good to hear Demolition's music. Always yeah. good. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, like you mentioned, versus King Harley Race. Yep. We'd have enjoyed that. Coco Beware versus Ron Bass, or Bass? Bass, I think. Bass, yeah. Bass. Uh, the British Bulldogs, David Boy Smith and the Dynamite Kid versus the Islanders, Haku and Tama. Yep. One Man Gang versus Jim Duggan. Oh. Just coming off his, his inaugural Royal Rumble win. Ah, of course. Uh, Don Muraco versus Butch Reed. And the final one, the Ultimate Warrior versus Sika. 
Um, yeah. And I want to say at some point we do hear the Ultimate Warriors music as it goes to Vince and Ventura. And I was like, ooh, oh. are we getting something? Nah, we're not. Okay. I don't think I picked up on that. That's interesting. I was just looking, this is just out of interest in me being a bit uh, nosy as I'm going through things. Jesse Ventura is here doing the commentary. Uh, and this is 1988, mm-hmm. yeah? Yep. Uh, so he's already been in Predator and The Running Man at that point. Really? Yeah. And and I knew he was acting while he was doing announcer work, but he, he must be, you know, those films must have been quite big, Aye. I would have thought. So uh, when you tune in and you see him, I suppose that that's, that's good for the show. Well, it's good for the company. Eh? Yeah. And then he's just going, he's healing out straight away. I mean, let's not get, <laughs> he is, isn't he? Let's not get too excited though. He's in the running man for about 30 seconds, to be fair. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. But what was the other <laughs> one you mentioned? Predator? Yeah. He's good in Predator. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yep. Um, so, aye, that was our dark match. Some, who's Sika, Adam? Do you remember? Sika is. He's Samoan. Uh, he was one of the. Was he one of the wild Samoans? Yes, yes, he was. Tag team. Yeah. Was Af- Afa? No, that's that's someone else. That's his... it. Well, no, it was Afa and Sika. Was it the wild Samoans? Yeah. I've just. I've been. Mo- I told you I've been watching Young Rock, and I, I wasn't sure if the name Sika had come up in. Okay. That. Yeah. He's off that family, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Aye. Oh well, interesting. There you go. Um, I've got written down here. If if the Rock ever does return, you know that they, they, they talked about him um, facing off against Roman Reigns. Yeah, in his one thousandth day as a, as champion. But what did you say? We were talking about Roman and and them trying to equal. Um, what's his name? Oh, the the Italian guy. Yeah, um, we we've done this before. We can never remember his name. Oh, it's really disrespectful, isn't it? He's like a legend. Is, uh-huh. um, I can see him in my in my mind's eye. Anyway, oh, he was he was heavyweight champion for like seven years, and we were saying that Vince is probably going to make him seven years in one day. Yeah. Um, anyway, getting off track. If the Rock <laughs> ever comes back to face him at WrestleMania, like they say, they should do this scene for scene remake this Hogan montage but with a rock <laughs> that's what it reminded me you know you get those Instagram videos of the rock in the gym at like 4am that's what yeah. it's about like it's, oh it's Bruno San Martino there, there you go that's it yeah yeah so did you enjoy the montage I loved that, it yeah, I, I like stuff like this and I know it's cheesy uh, and you know obviously Rocky uh, did this kind of thing brilliantly but I I, I love this kind of stuff it's uh, it's so old school it's just brilliant uh, I would appreciate the montage of Savage just walking about shouting at people as well getting more and more worked up aye <laughs> not Elizabeth though. That, that would have been brutal to watch. well he can't he can't do that in this era because he's he's baby face now so you're fine true yeah, yeah. Um, so we've got that we've not had any wrestling yet but here we go Mean Gene is with the Honky Tonk Man who breaks the record for the most number of Elvis references in a promo. Oh, it's, yeah, that was too much. <laughs> it was. He's going <laughs> to was... take Elizabeth to the Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, I can't even remember what else he says, but it's all right, pal. He came across as quite Elizabeth obsessed. So 
I was quite surprised when he came out with his girlfriend at the start of this. That yes. I was thinking, what's she making all this? <sighs> anyway, I was, I was going to I was going to reveal something to you about his girlfriend. I'll wait till I'll wait till the match. Okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, so I think I think what happens is that we get a promo, then someone comes out, then we get another promo, then yeah. someone comes out. It's quite odd. Yeah, so in this event, Honky Tonk Man has done his promo and then he, he does his entrance and then um, we get a Savage promo right at that point. Um, so yeah, Honky's on his way to the ring or in the ring when it cuts to the Savage promo. How, like, uh, what an aura Savage has got. This is it's amazing. The person competing for the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, Intercontinental title. Imagine Ricochet <laughs> given this <laughs> like, type of. I, I know that things are different. He's essentially a headliner, isn't he? Yeah. Um, did you notice the colour Savage turned during, during <laughs> yeah, his promo? I did. I, oh, yeah. <sighs> this sort of purple red. I was worried about him uh, just watching him do this. It's, but it's, funny. it's amazing how into it he is. Mm-hmm. It's just brilliant. As he's one of my absolute favourites of all time. I'm sure I've mentioned quite a few times. This oh, love that guy. Th- this promo made me. I'm sure I said this the last. What did we watch? SummerSlam '92 when Savage was on it. Yeah. This made me think I want to watch more Savage-related content. But, yeah. Um, so, so Honky Tonk Man comes out with who is with the Honky Tonk Man? Peggy Sue. No. Who, so who's his manager? Uh, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart. Jim, sorry. He come, yes. comes out with Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Hart. Yep. and then. Peggy Sue appears sort of, she doesn't come down the aisle with them, so she seems to come out of nowhere. <laughs> um, I was like, Peggy, who's this Peggy Sue? Do you know who Peggy Sue is? No, I've never looked it up. Really? Yeah. So so when she was shouting during the match, I was like, I recognise that voice. I was like, that that is definitely <sighs> Sensational Sherry. Oh, is it? So, so I looked it up and it's <sighs> Sensational Sherry. Wow. Um, which is funny, obviously, because of the relationship with her and Savage. And, and what mm-hmm. is that to come? Or is that. Yeah, that's, that's still to come. come. It's when he does his, uh, his posts. Uh, yes. And yeah, he aligns with her at that point once he's ditched Elizabeth. Yeah, so I thought that was an interesting wee tip. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, this is. I mean, we're not watching this for the wrestling, really, are we? No. Um, Good job, Bernie. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah. Um, But Savage looks, he just looks like a full-on superstar. Not Uh not a superstar, but uh, he looks like a a million bucks, as they say. Red pants, yellow boots, the music, everything looks amazing. Yeah. And uh, he gets a good crowd pop and all that. And he's just, he's so good at starting 100 miles an hour and making it so believable. Yep. Uh, it's, it's just brilliant. Um, yeah, it's like, this show does not have much wrestling in it, I think nah. it's fair to say, because this starts off just as a brawl. Um, and Savage is so wound up, he's, he's just trying to get to, to Honky Tonk and um, uh, Jimmy Hart as well, uh, various times. During the match, he, he has a, a swipe at or a chase of Jimmy Hart. Um, but it, it feels like for so much of this match, till he gets slowed down, Savage is just 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a good way. I do mean that in a good way. Yeah. 
And a lot of the time it's him trying to get to Honky Tonk whilst he's gyrating towards Elizabeth and there's people, yeah. you know, like you say, Jimmy Hart's in his way or whatever. Yeah. Um, right, so right, yeah. Right, right at the start, he performs a move. I want to get your take on this. He performs a move where he bangs Jimmy Hart's head with Honky Tonk Man's head. Yeah. What would Gorilla Monsoon call that? Uh, double noggin knocker. Correct. What would yes. What did Vince describe it as? Oh, I can't remember. A brain buster! Okay. Okay. It's not a brain buster, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I missed that. I mean, he was never... I, there's, there's ways in which I like Vince's commentary because he gets so invested in everything and he's he's so hyped up when he's doing it all. But he's, he's not um, your best, like, I don't know, Move by move, uh, storyteller of a match. He's not Mike Tenney, is what you're saying. Well, who is? Correct. So true. <laughs> um, I, I don't really know what to say about this match. It's essentially Honky Tonk Man doing a few moves. The heel yep. manager, Jimmy Hart, trying to get his megaphone in so that Honky Tonk can use it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's basically what we touched on earlier. Honky Tonk's on the run for a lot of this and then trying to wind things up. Um, Jimmy Hart must get involved about five different occasions in the match, one way or another. Um, we've got Jimmy Hart attacking Savage on the outside and things like that. Um, Savage, uh, there's a, a spot where Savage rallies, uh, takes down Honky, sends him to the outside, climbs up to the top turnbuckle because he's going to do his double axe handle onto Honky on the floor. Um, but uh, Honky, I'm trying to remember who he, he pulls someone in front of him uh, just so that Savage can't do the move. Possibly Peggy Sue, I think. I think it is, yeah. And, you know, babyface Savage isn't going to do that. He's uh, He would have in the old days, absolutely, but not now. Um, so it's, it's just a whole lot of outside interference on the go. It's never really got the opportunity to, to be a match. Um and even when, like, Savage, I think he is a, point, a spot where he locks in a, a sleeper and looks to be in control. <laughs> um, but Peggy Sue's going after Liz on the outside, so yeah. Savage has to run out and, and break that kind of thing up. Um, and at that point, uh, Honky Tonk tries to hit Savage coming off the apron uh, to the floor, but Savage counters, sends Honky into the ring post. Honky Tonk ends up getting counted out. Um, so you get for in terms of the actual match Savage is won by count out but the title can't change hands on a count out so Honky Tonk will retain um, and then we've got a wee bit of uh, of action after the bell here as well yep. um, and I always think you know this is maybe I can picture Vince being like well we can't just have matches you know even, even though we've only got two that are going to properly air can't just be you know wrestling in the ring there has to be more to it than that so um We've got a uh, honky tonk man. Um, he, he's got his guitar. He's got his trusty guitar. He's, uh, yeah, what, where would Jeff Jarrett have ever been without honky tonk man? <laughs> um, and he's, he's stalking Savage, uh, in the ring. Savage is backing off. Um, I think they talk about honky tonk having hit loads of people over the head with his guitar. Um, but all the while this, this posturing's going on, Jimmy Hart sneaks up behind Savage, hits him with a megaphone. Uh, so Savage is down and defenseless, basically. And then, uh, Miss Elizabeth comes in the ring, 
uh, basically goes in front of Savage. Um, she, she was going to take the guitar. She, she was, yeah. Take, take the guitar for her man, yeah. That's, <laughs> she, that's what the kids call a ride or die, Adam. Okay, okay. Um, so you're thinking, you know, Honky's not going to do that. Even Honky Tonk wouldn't do that. But he does start to, to motion that he's about to swing. Uh, but Savage is up quickly, blocks the guitar shot, uh, kicks, kicks Honky in. I think it was the guts. Uh, <laughs> takes the guitar off him and basically chases him uh, with the guitar. Um, and we get the the sort of stuff that used to be a bit reversed when Savage was the heel. Uh, in that he these days he like holds the ropes open for Miss Elizabeth, mm-hmm. whereas in the heel days he used to make her do it for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so just little things like that. Um, obviously, they've they've long since made the decision he is going to get a good run as a, a baby face, um, and I think the crowd are, are pretty well into it. He's oh, he's very very over, um, and he does also does the spot where he he raises Elizabeth on his shoulder, uh, which. Again, is uh, is going to happen uh, a few weeks down the line. Yep. Uh, WrestleMania four as well. And Vince says that's his prize. Miss Elizabeth is <laughs> is Randy Savage's prize. So lucky her, she gets to sit on his shoulder. <laughs> um, that that is essentially it. You're right. Like the fans are as bland and as sort of uh, non-eventful as this is, the fans are mad for it. Yeah. Absolutely mental for that. Yeah. Um, so that is one of one of our two. It's not a good match. It's no. entertaining, I suppose. I hate the honky-tonk man. Yeah, and you're clearly supposed to, so that's working. No, um, no, no, no. No, oh. it's, it's not like he... I just don't like him. I've written oh, okay. that here. I've written, what do they write? I really don't like the honky tonk man, the gimmick, or the man. Do you think there is something about guitars? Because I used to be the exact same with Jeff Jarrett. I just like, I what never saw him. Uh, I've, not, I've not seen much of Elias for a while. Um, You're more of a Zeke freak. Well, you know, he's he's been the prominent guy. So, yeah, I'm not sure where Elias has actually been. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so but Jarrett he was like especially in like when they were trying to make him a thing and I'm like this guy's nice he'd be like first match on the card at best Um, but it wasn't the type of heat they were looking for I was just like I just I I don't want to see this guy it wasn't it wasn't even I want to see him get beat up I just don't want him on the show Uh Um, that's how I feel about Honky Tonk Man although I did like his figure I, I don't mean like I like the way he presented himself. I mean, like his action figure. I used okay, to like play him with. <laughs> I used to like play him with his action figure. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm. I, I'm sure I had his uh, action figure as well. Ah, oh, I wish I'd never uh, given any away. Same. Uh, what yeah. were you thinking? I have no idea. If I ever come across a time machine, that's where I'm going back to the, the <laughs> time that I gifted that huge tub of figures to that little boy across the street. Yep. Maybe you still got, got them. them. Yeah. <laughs> this is. Do you do Do you know? Like, do his family still live in the same house? Find out next time. <laughs> this could be a Netflix series. <laughs> it ends up with us both in jail. I'm just thinking the disaster would be. You know, legal action obviously would be a problem. But say we just rocked up and we're like, you can't be interested in these anymore. You know, you're not a kid anymore. He may have passed them on, which is the worry. Or I imagine he just threw them away. <gasps> That's the point at which there might be some legal trouble. 
if he had a kid and he'd given them to his kid, I'd have no qualms about just going taking them. <laughs> That'd be amazing. If it doesn't have a kid, we could just offer him like a, a, a tiny amount of like a fiver and just be like, there you go. We'll take them back. You got them free. You've made a fiver. There you go. Nice. Um, but, you know, I suppose the only risk is if he is one of our uh, five listeners, he he might hold out for that fiver. He might, he might be like, I'm going to I'm gonna get my money. I would have given them away, but now that I've heard this, I'm going to get my money. True. We could we could we could give him some middle aged outlaws merch. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair exchange. Some some equipment. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, where did that come from? I have from? no idea. <laughs> I haven't heard that since whenever I last watched the league, <laughs> which would be a very long time ago. Oh, that went weird. <laughs> Back to the show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Vince and Jesse give us a bit of a Mania 3 recap, which you've expertly done earlier. Um, I've written here that they're basically trying to manufacture a storyline. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the, the Mania 3 thing being a thing at the time. I don't know if it was. Yeah, I, I don't think... I don't know why I'm saying I don't remember, because I mean five. <laughs> I don't think it was necessarily a spot that they thought we can go back to this, we can go back to this. I think it probably just happened organically in the Jesse Ventura, who I'm sure would have been comment- commentating at the time, just saw what was a near fall and decided in his mind, he, he that was a pin, that should have been mm. a three count. Mm. And then they've maybe heard that and thought, okay, we need to go with this story a bit longer. So why? Okay, we can use this. So, so they talk about that, and they're serving us up the whole background. And we'll we'll get to why they're doing this. I think it's really well done. Yeah, um, but we'll, we'll get to why they're doing this. So, back to Mean Gene. He's got Debiase, Virgil, and Andre. Debiase can rip a promo with his eyes yeah, shut. Yeah, I like Debiase. All these money-related puns are absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, Andre. Is talking about squeezing and squeezing <laughs> and squeezing the life out of Hulk Hogan. I'm yep. not going to try and do an Andre impression. I really want to, but I'm not going to do it. Um, this was a this is a good promo from yeah, from and and I think if you've only just like tuned in or something, you're not a fan. You've just switched on to watch this. I think there is enough there to draw you in. Um, and he's, he is, I think it's the first time it's maybe mentioned directly on the show is where Andre, uh, Mijin says something like Andre has millions of reasons to become champion. Uh, and it's again just pointing at the fact that his intention is to just basically sell the title. That yep. The deal's been done. He's going to sell the title to, to DiBiase. Yeah. Um, and then we jump to Hogan with Mijin with, with Hulk Hogan. Um, he is wearing different clothes. And a different belt to what he would be wearing when he comes out in about a minute. Oh, that's a good eye. I don't think I noticed that. He's wearing like the old belt and I want to say he's wearing a bandana. Um, okay. His music kits and he comes out with the winged eagle. Okay. Uh, and a headband. Oh. So they've obviously went for a wee cheeky wee pre-tape. It's a very yeah. erratic promo for Hogan. Yeah. I thought his earlier one was better. Um, just it was the classic Hogan but I don't ever remember watching a show where the the main uh, the main event pairing got basically two promos on the one show 
if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I, it, it, it was strange. Mm-hmm. It was really strange. Yeah, I suppose they're probably thinking, let's try and introduce... This. We need to introduce the story to new people. Yeah. We need to introduce the characters to new people. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if, you know, like... You know, these days, people essentially hate watch wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if you had people at that time doing the same and being like, oh, man, why are they showing these guys? They're so much better people. Get Strikeforce versus Br- Bernard <laughs> Foundation on. Amazing. Probably. It's really funny that you say that about hate watching, because I, I, I do think that's probably what a big part of the audience are doing. I, I imagine if you looked at uh, the online comments on uh, social media when there's a show going on, that the, the like 99.99% of the people that are being hugely critical and saying, I will never watch again, are tuning in the very next show. I mean, I decided a wee while ago it just wasn't for me right now, so I just stopped watching. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, you know, I, I don't have the energy to be going on Twitter or something and saying, this is terrible. This is the worst show I've ever seen. I get the feeling it's probably not great, so I'm not going to bother. I just find it all very strange. It is. It's a weird thing, is it? I suppose it's people invested in something that they used to really, really love. And uh-huh. and maybe no, as well... No, can be done. Yeah, I think that's the big... Maybe look at it and think, well, why would they not do this instead? Because this would work. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I suppose is very easy from sitting in the in the chair watching it. Um, Plus, like, the curtain's been pulled so far back that it's just opened the doors for people to have, like, a lot more of an opinion. Yeah, yeah, um, true. I suppose that's the same with everything these days, but yeah, we digress. Um, here we go: WWF Championship match, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, referee Dave Hebner. Oh, yeah, rest in peace, Dave Hebner. We, yeah, that was sad. I think we we heard the news maybe just a day or so ago that he'd passed away. So that was yeah, and then uh, Tim White as well. Just was that yesterday, Tim White? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quite, quite an iconic referee. Certainly, well, both of them, yeah, uh, um, in the in their own ways. When I was watching that Andre thing earlier, I had a lot of Tim White. They must have been really good friends, Andre and Tim White. Yeah, I think he he travelled with them, and he basically worked as a like a little bit of a, I don't know, like assistant type person for mm-hmm. him. He would he would sort things out and do things for him, and, and you know make sure he had what he needed and all that kind of thing. Um, I remember watching it and thinking it sounded like it was a pretty pretty close bond. Yeah, he talked about that they built this relationship where Andre spoke to him a lot, um, Mm -hmm. but he didn't speak to a lot of people, but management would come and say to Tim, how is Andre? Is he he this, that, and the next thing? And he would say, go and speak to him. You know, I'm, I'm not here to be as... Uh, to talk for him sort of thing and I think they mm-hmm. built the relationship around that. Quite nice. Mm. It is, Quite yeah. Sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So yep. Um Vince within the first thirty seconds of them sort of setting up this match, Vince mentions Dave Hebner's referee in this about a hundred times. Yep. He does. So, <laughs> he oversells that quite a bit. And so does Ventura as well. Um again they're they're setting the scene for Probably for newer, newer viewers. Yeah, I think there's there's comments like, oh, they're you know they they wanted to make sure they got Dave Hebner for this match, and Jack Tunney wanted to make sure it was Dave Hebner and all that kind of thing. It does go a wee bit overkill. Yeah. And who who was refereeing 
refereeing the WrestleMania 3 match. Was it Gorilla Monsoon's guy? I can't remember what his name is. Oh, do you know what? I don't actually know. Nah. Um, it nah, certainly wasn't, not a, sure. wasn't a Hebner anyway. And they, they make a thing about this being a reliable... We've got a reliable referee this time. Yeah, now that you've said it, it might have been that guy you mentioned. I can't remember his I can't name. Remember his name either, but yeah, um, yeah. So, so this this match is quite. <laughs> there's more action in this match than there was in the previous match. Um, yeah, yeah. Sur- surprisingly, it's all Hogan. Um, yeah, he the, starts off fast. He's trying to chop the tree down, and basically, he does start 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 off fast, and he's he's doing a lot of punching. A lot of just basically try to take Andre down. Do you know what I love? I love about this is that there's Andre doesn't oversell at mm-hmm. all. Sometimes yeah. you get these giants and they're swinging their arms and they're yeah. you know, I'm um, um, going down to one knee and all that. He, do, he doesn't really do that. He, he just sort of takes it as if somebody actually would, somebody that uh-huh. size would, if they were getting punched yeah. over and over again. He's really good, that. and especially for a guy that probably didn't do an awful lot of selling through his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought that was impressive too, um, and. Yeah, the the only issue is he's not getting in much offence, but in fact, hardly any in the early stages. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look mobile, and I think we already know. In fact, I'm sure it was after Mania Four and maybe like the rest of that calendar year that they've basically put him in a tag team. He's not. He's not really going to be having singles matches from that point onwards. Who was it? Was in a tag team of Haku? He was. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think maybe at Mania Five they yeah. might have been in the tag title match. Right, okay. Yeah, I've got visions of him trying to walk around the ring at a match when he was part of the Heenan family at mm. Mania, and I'm just looking so immobile. Yeah, he could barely get get along so sort of, along the side of the ring. Mm-hmm. It's quite sad because he he wasn't that old, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, he, yeah, obviously had his uh, his illness and all the issues that would have caused, but. Um, I think it took away his mobility really young. Mm, cause when I was watching that thing in '76, he was really mobile, mm-hmm. like, to the point that it's quite difficult to get your head around how big he was. Yeah, the way that he was moving. Yeah. Um. So, like we say, we've got Hogan trying to chop down the tree. He uh, brings DiBiase and Virgil in to the ring as as they're jumping up, trying to distract and all that, and he knocks them down, no problem. Um. And then he does something that I've never seen Hogan do before. Yeah. He goes to the top rope. Yep. Never seen it. No, I don't think I had either. And um, according to my notes, Andre throws him like an empty tracksuit <laughs> across the, the <laughs> ring for the top rope. Yep. That was a blunder. Yep. <laughs> um, and basically, Andre's, Andre's form of offence is just to choke him. Like, he's, he's true to his word. He yep. said he was going to choke the life out of him. Yeah, he he gets in some. He's doing a lot of the choking, then some chops. I think there's uh, headbutts as well, uh, but it's it's very limited what he can do. And given the situation, I think having these like choke holds and these basically rest holds mm-hmm. um, are the way to help him get through a match. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, when when I was watching, it, I'm thinking you sort of know in advance that whatever Andre's period of dominance in the match will be, it's going to be pretty slow-paced. Yeah. Um, eventually Hogan gets back on top and, and again, he eventually knocks him down. He's, he's bouncing off the ropes, trying to knock him down. Gets him down. 
and drops a leg. And you're yep. thinking, here we go. Um, but obviously, Million Dollar Man or Virgil, one of them that is distracting Hebner. Yeah. He's got him down for the three count. But um, yeah, Hebner's distracted. Come yeah. on, Dave. Um, and then things change really, really quickly. Andre gets a hold of him, does some variation of a butterfly suplex. Yeah. And uh, it didn't look great that no, it didn't. It? <laughs> Hogan is down on the floor, Andre pins him, and Hebner counts to three. You now, Hogan raises in an incredibly exaggerated <laughs> way, raises his arm after about the one count. Yeah, but Hebner counts to three. We get the bell, and then things kick off a bit. Things kick off a bit more from here. Yeah, so Vince sounds absolutely incensed at this mistake that's been made, whereas uh, I noticed Jesse Ventura very quickly is on the, he counted the pin, it's over, <laughs> referee's decision's final, it's done. Um, and Hogan is not happy. Um, I, I, it's so clear he gets the shoulder up, but, you know, for the purpose of the story they're going to be telling here, that's fine, yeah, you can do uh, that. Uh, um, whereas, you know, at the old WrestleMania 3-1, uh, yeah, it was clear he was up and they didn't count it, but anyway. Um, yeah, so... Dave, well, Dave Hebner, I'll still call him that for now, yeah. uh, grabs the, the title belt um, and presents it to Andre. Hogan is still absolutely furious. Yeah, he, 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 aye. he, he goes through, what is it they say, there's like seven emotions or something like that? He goes yeah. through a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> seven, seven stages of grief, there is that go. it? There you go. Yep. Yeah. Um, we very quickly get Andre surrendering the title to Ted DiBiase. Um, and then there's there's kind of all this commotion going on in the ring, which I couldn't decide how I felt about it because there's there's things going on, and then you kind of notice in the background that there's something happening <laughs> with the referees, referee referees, yep. um, but they don't like spotlight it immediately. Yeah, that's quite um, well done. Yeah, and and from a this being authentic point of view, I thought that worked. The only thing that would have worried me a wee bit about was are the audience, and you know, you, you will have probably quite a big casual audience here, are they getting the impact of what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, when I'm watching it, I thought it really worked. So, so I've, I've got a little bit of, so talk, talk about what happened, and then I'll, and then I'll give you a wee bit of context that we never had that, okay. um, that we get further down the line. So I go. Okay, so there's a second referee has appeared in the ring and then as uh, I think the camera goes a bit closer, you can see that these referees who are arguing look very similar. Um, I'm not going to say identical, but they're similar. Um, And Vince is immediately questioning which one of these guys is Dave Hebner. Um, uh, They they get into like a little sort of scuffle. Mm -hmm. Um... And then, I don't know how, but Vince decides that tells you who's Dave Hebner. I, I never quite worked out how that told him exactly which one it was. But anyway, um, and then I think, this is certainly my notes, but jump in if I've skipped something. The next thing is Hogan's got both refs by the collar um, and he's shouting at both of them. He doesn't know which one's which. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the kick must happen here because one Hebner hits the floor uh, and then 
the other Hebner goes, goes to like give him a kick and falls over while he's doing that. Um, and Hogan is immediately, you know, doing money signs like DiBiase uh-huh. does, uh, indicating that somebody's been paid off here to do this. Um, and then Hogan press slams what we have to assume is the bad guy ref. Uh, if they're going to be identical, that's, that's troublesome, but they're not. They're, they're similar, but they're not identical. Uh, Hogan throws this ref a ridiculous <laughs> distance, kind of onto Andre no. DiBiase and Virgil, but Over. he overthrew them. 100%. <laughs> oh, um, I, I love this angle because, you know, these, uh, these refs that look similar enough in storyline to be confused for the other. Um, and certainly for a, I imagine a TV audience or even somebody in the arena who's been to a show before, I don't think you would be looking thinking, that doesn't quite look like that normal ref. Yeah. That looks a wee bit different. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I loved the story. I love the angle of the heel ref, uh, which turns out to be, although I don't know if they, they don't confirm it here, I don't think, but it's brother referees. Um, and you find out that uh, down the line that um, Earl Hebner, who has been refereeing but in other organisations, yep. was brought in by WWF. Um, I think the intention had been originally to move Dave Hebner to a behind-the-scenes role mm. and have Earl Hebner just kind of seamlessly take over. Yep. But then someone at some point has gone, wait a minute, these guys are very similar. What can we do with that? Um, and... Uh, they've they've obviously made it uh, brother ref one's a heel one has taken the money um, and uh, kept the other ref out of being able to to take part in this match so um, yeah I I loved it it's a it's a great story. it's almost it's almost too clever um, for its time yeah I think uh, it's really good it's really really good I like the way that like you say there's a lot of pandemonium and then the camera then sort of focuses on this argument that's happening between the two mm-hmm. and there's just total confusion uh, and like you say Vince is like trying to explain it for us but I, I don't think anything needs to be said apart from confusion on their yeah. part as well Yeah, um, a few things so so it's, a, it's Errol that kicks Dave right and he kicked him so hard in the ribs that Dave had to be taken off the road <laughs> oh, some brotherly love there. Classic Errol. <laughs> um, they'd pract—I th- I believe they'd practiced the throw, and Hogan was supposed to stand and just throw him down onto. <laughs> I think yeah. it's DBS and Andre, like you said. Hogan obviously. Ugh, there's so many, so many versions of this story with Hogan that he just decides to change what's happening. But anyway. He picks him up and runs from one side of the ring to the other. Yeah, he did. That's yeah. how he ends up a way over Dibiase. Um And then the other thing about this is there's never a, a payoff as such as to why. I don't think there's ever a payoff as to why there was two of them. Yeah. Why there was this bad, evil Hebner. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in WWF magazine... They go into this whole story behind the two of them. They do this big, long fictional article about Dave and Errol growing up and Errol always being the bad Hebner. Um, oh. And doing weird stuff like 
pretending to be Dave and meeting Dave's girlfriend. This is so bizarre. Oh, that's amazing. Meeting his girlfriend, driving her into the rough area of town, dropping her off and driving her home again because he was jealous that Dave had a girlfriend and he never. Um, it's a shame that could that kind of story couldn't have played out yep. on TV. Yep. That would have been great. Other oh. other things where he would pretend to be Dave and that you know, like they're uh, ca- characterising him as this sort of dark, evil character that lived in his brother's shadow and did stuff to sort of mess things up for this perfect student that that, that Dave was. Oh, that would have been great. It would have given layers to the story. Yeah. Um, it's it's a shame they didn't try to spotlight that on a, on TV in some way, because uh, that that would have been good. That's like very sports entertainment. Yeah, I think if that was now, that's exactly what they would be doing. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Ironic that, that that there's. I'm just thinking about this now that this is a 49 minute show with two matches, and and Raw these days is three hours, and there's probably about two matches. <laughs> <laughs> on it. Yeah, I think this was a lot easier to get through than than I imagine getting through a raw would be now. Uh, yeah, I, I. Did you like? Did you know this happened? Did you? Were you aware of it beforehand? No. Oh, okay. No, Excellent. I wasn't at all. I, 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 nah, I don't remember this. Any of this at all. I've, I've heard a few like veteran wrestlers and people from behind the scenes say that this is one of their favourite angles ever. How the cool twin, the twin brilliant. ref, because uh, I don't think certainly on a stage like this, I don't think anything like that had been done. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you've got Hogan saying something afterwards oh about God. how how much did they pay for the plastic surgery or something <laughs> like that. And uh, at that point, I'm thinking, oh, where are you going now? Don't don't, don't go there. I mean, they're just brothers. It's fine. Um, so yeah, but just in terms of the brother storyline, I, I I loved it and the switch and the the heel doing the the count and all that. I just thought it was a really good story. That's cool, definitely. Um, and just to sort of finish off this pay per view, and you can you can talk about a little bit about WrestleMania four if you want. Yeah. Um, we've we've briefly mentioned we had a, a tag team match, Strike Force, Tito Santana and Rick Martel. Um, who are the champions against the Heart Foundation? We don't really see that match. Um, yeah, the match starts and then they jump to Mean Gene, and this is where Hogan's completely—I mean, beside himself—doesn't doesn't he describe it? He's um, he, he screams the word identical like I've never heard it <laughs> before. He's nearly crying. I was sh- I was saying he's, he's shouting Hulkamaniacs <laughs> bizarrely. Yeah. Um, He's a victim of a conspiracy theory for sure. Yep. Um, I think yeah. we go, I think we go back to to Vincent and Ventura. Yep. And and that's basically our program. We see Bret Hart getting rolled up. I think it's Hart. Uh, yeah. Might be yeah. Hart. It, it's a it's a, the exact same finish as a SummerSlam '92 bulldog. Ah, bulldog yeah, Bret you're Hart right. Finish. Yeah, um, I don't know if there was ever the intention to have this match on the show um, or whether... It's just a wee extra. Yeah, because if you look at it, I think Hogan Nondry would have been your big finish. Um, yeah, you'd have thought so, eh? Mm-hmm. But uh, it's um, apparently on like 
any previous releases that didn't have the the roll up pin win for uh, for Strike Force, uh, uh, but they've they've added it back in for for the network. Cool. Um, so yeah, I can give a little bit of info about WrestleMania Four because uh, I had a watch of it, but I, I only watched the title tournament uh, matches and everything around that, so I didn't watch the full show. So I tried to watch it. This must if there's ever. Um, lists of the best to worst WrestleManias, this must be down the bottom It's not good um, Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose so much of it is about the story um, of the tournament and some of the performers and some, even some of the tournament matches are just filler to, to get you where you're you're trying to get story to But I did remember watching this as a kid and loving it, but being really annoyed by some of the outcome of the matches Really? And That's I brilliant now, I now see the logic in it, but I'll, I'll go through as I'm going through it, which which annoyed me and why, because that, that might just give some entertainment. Okay, I like that. I, so. I just want to mention before you do the how good it felt to hear Gorilla Monsoon commentator. Yeah, he's brilliant. He was always my favourite, and I, I, I think it, him and Heenan was my favourite. Um, it just worked so well, but he's very good with Ventura as well. Yes, he is. So yeah, a little bit of story after what we've seen and now we're a month or two down the line. Um, WWF President Jack Tunney has vacated the title due to it not having been won in a sanctioned match. So it's actually it's nothing to do with the shenanigans of the ref. Ref's decision is final, but the fact Andre handed it over to Ted DiBiase means that the, the title's been held up. So I believe... Andre's title win is actually recognised, mm. but Ted DiBiase being handed it, he has never been champion. Um, Interesting. They they decided that they were, they were they would hold a fourteen man tournament to crown the new champion. Uh, it sounds a little bit lopsided, but as the two previous proper title holders, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, will get a bye uh, from the first round. They will go straight into the second round, mm-hmm. um, but. They will face each other. Yes. Uh, um, I, I, I did watch that. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, first round quarter semis final uh, is going to decide who the, the new champion is. Okay. I'll, I'll run through these participants because um, there's quite a mixed bag here. Hmm. Um, so, we've got Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ted DiBiase, Jim Duggan, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I should say, in this film, Don Morocco. Dino Bravo, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Greg Valentine, Butch Reed, Bam Bam Bigelow, who I think must have been really young here. Yes. Um, He's also got a manager called Oliver Humperdinck, which is really. <laughs> the, the one man gang, who I think became Akeem. Yep. Is that the same guy? Yeah. yeah. That's uh, Jake the Snake Roberts and Ravishing Rick Rude. So it's, it's quite a strong list of names. Um, so. The tournament rules. See, see before you go, I've got a really yep. um, nonsensical thing to tell you about One Man Gang. Um, do you remember at WrestleMania 17 they have the gimmick Battle Royal? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if he appears as One Man Gang or Hakeem, but whichever one it is he appears as, he was supposed to be the other one, but he couldn't fit in the outfit anymore, so he had to appear oh. as the other one. Wow. There you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, they, they they make it very clear the rules of this tournament. Only winners will advance. They drive that home pretty clearly. You have <laughs> to win to be able to advance. That's going to become relevant as we go. <laughs> um, 
It's apparently the WWF's top 14 stars at this point in time. Um, the, the There will be time limits on these matches. Again, that will become relevant as we go. Um, so first round, 15 minutes. Then on to 20. 30 minutes for the semi-finals and no time limit for the final. There will be a champion crowned. Um, so first match, and I don't have an issue with this one. We've got Ted DiBiase against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, Ted DiBiase goes over. Um, I think he has to. You know, he's a really central part of this story yep. that's on the go. Yep. And I think even me as a kid understood that watching this. I like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a lot of these matches are quite non-events, to be honest. Um, but uh, he gets... Uh, DiBiase gets the win with an assist from Andre the Giant, who... Is ringside in DBS's corner. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's going for his, his tackle or something like that, mm. that they call it. Uh, Andre Point grabs stars, his. Maybe? Yeah, that might be right. Yeah. Uh, Andre grabs his leg. Uh, Duggan turns around to go for Andre. Andre punches Duggan and he's pretty much out cold. DBS drags Duggan off the ropes and does this like falling punch move. Um, then up in, win. Um, <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm fine with uh, DiBiase going over. You need your your heels here. Um, we've got Don Morocco against Dino Bravo. Um, this this uh, a bit of a non-event for me. Um, but I remember. I don't know why, but as a kid, I quite liked Dino Bravo. Nice. Um, and he was just like this, usually a heel, um, massive-looking guy. Uh, and I thought he could be a really good heel. I thought, you know, you, you could believably see him in against the top guys. But for some reason, somebody's made the decision that Don Morocco's going over here. Um, we're, we've got a story on the go where Dino Bravo is the world's strongest man. But he yes. isn't really. So at the Royal Rumble, I think he, he beats a record by bench pressing something at the Royal Rumble 1988. Yeah, but apparently Jesse Ventura helped him lift it. So, so, uh, Gorilla Monsoon is basically pissing all over this record, saying it's not relevant, it's not a thing, it doesn't count, it's not recognised by anyone. You helped him lift the bar. (laughs) And Jesse Ventura is good with this response of, I put one pinky worth of pressure on that. He lifted it himself. I put nothing on it. It shouldn't affect it. He's the world's strongest man. Um, So, I, I think they're both. To some extent, uh, so Dino Bravo's full heel. Don Morocco, I think, is kind of a baby face, but it's just not one anyone cares that much about. Uh, but he's got superstar Billy Graham with him. Um, well, I thought it was Perry Saturn. <laughs> the, basically, what ends up happening in this match is uh, we've got Don Morocco coming off the ropes, going for some sort of flying, I don't know, clothesline or something <laughs> like that. But Dino Bravo grabs the ref and pulls him in front, so the ref takes the, the full brunt of it. Dino Bravo then hits his side suplex, but when he's covered uh, Don Morocco, the ref, instead of counting, the pen taps Dino Bravo on the shoulder <laughs> and then tells the, the ring announcer that he has disqualified oh, wow. Dino Bravo. So, um, yeah, there's a disqualification win there for Don Morocco, who will advance and he will face Ted DiBiase nice. in the next round. Um, Greg Valentine against Ricky Steamboat. I remember watching this as a kid, and I wasn't, I hadn't even been a WCW guy, but I will never, I suppose maybe because he's a heel, I will never fully understand 
why Greg Valentine beat Ricky Steamboat in the first round of this oh tournament. Oh my god, does he? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, now, did Ricky Steamboat come out with a Komodo dragon in a, in a leather jacket? No, Ricky Steamboat came out presenting his child. <laughs> so he's holding his child, a very young baby, up to the crowd. And then I think it's his wife is just a little bit behind him and then she takes the, the child uh, as he's getting getting ready to go in the ring. Like, but, a, like a Lion King type thing. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I, I, I immediately, like watching this, was thinking... Depending on whether I watched WrestleMania's in order, I've maybe seen Ricky Steamboat at Mania 3 here, and maybe that's why I like him. But he's over, and he's a guy, and he's losing to Greg Valentine in the first round of this tournament. Maybe this is why he went to WCW. <laughs> well, when I looked this up, I did find out that he had apparently asked Vince for some time off. So After this? Yeah. Right. So I think asking for time off means you're losing your first match. Um, ah, okay. Ah, okay. Uh, so, but there is also the other element, which I can kind of appreciate, but you could have done one match of Babyface versus Babyface. The winner of this will go on to face the winner of Randy Savage against Butch Reed. Oh, come on. Um, that reads itself. It does. However, I get the feeling they wanted Savage facing nothing but heels all the way. Um so anyway, uh, yeah, Greg Valentine wins and it's a clean win, but like almost clean. So Steamboat comes off the turnbuckle with a crossbody. Valentine rolls through. He does have a little handful of tights, but uh, he gets the three count for the win. There's all these jokes made by the announcers about Greg Valentine about like, you know, this this match has got a 15 minute time limit and normally takes him about an hour to warm up and stuff like that. Um, that they were saying once he gets going, he can win this. He can do four matches in the night. Uh, all that kind of thing. It was weird. Um, Did Valentine have the blonde hair or black hair at this point? Blonde hair. Blonde. I think he, was it Rhythm and Blues yes. when he had the black hair? Yes. Yeah. Was that, was that later on? I think so. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, we've now got the Savage v. Butchreed. Uh, match. Uh, Randy Savage is over. He gets a big crowd reaction. Um, I've, I've written my notes. Spoiler alert. From memory, Miss Elizabeth has four different dresses with her tonight Ooh. and we will see them all. Um, so yeah. Uh, what, they what come be, out. What about Slick? <laughs> yeah, that, not, not so many outfits for nah. Slick. Nah. Uh, but he will be relevant to this match. Slick. Um, so yeah. Or is it this one? Yeah, it is this one. Um, so yeah, we've got, um, Randy Savage is pretty much playing the, uh, slightly undersized compared to Butch Reed guy. And there's a little bit of nonsense going on from the outside, uh, basically distracting Savage. We, Butch Reed actually dominates most of this match. Um, and, uh, at a point he goes to the top rope but Savage is too quick and he's up and he's over at the corner and he slams Butch Reed down from the corner. Um, and after he slammed him down to the mat Savage immediately springs up to go for the, the flying elbow drop um, he hooks everything in the cover um, makes it look like he is genuinely going for a, a cannot move a muscle cover here um, to, yeah, so that, it always annoyed me when people who were apparently very good wrestlers went for really lax covers um, I always remember Austin saying that if you're going to mm. pin somebody make it look like you're trying to <laughs> win the and match. I, I get it if you're playing like the cocky heel or something like that you know some of the this is too easy drape yourself over or something like that but when you're a, a wrestler a proper wrestler then yeah you would be trying to win the match 
Um, so yeah, he, he he gets the win. Good crowd reaction for his win. Um, Savage is through to face Valent- Greg Valentine, is he? Yes. Um, and then we've got um, one man gang against Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, this, even as a kid, was another one that annoyed me um, <laughs> because I I wanted Bam Bam Bigelow to be going over here. I took one look at that guy and thought that that's that's my guy. That's- Flames head tattoo. Yeah, massive, totally. Yeah. He looks yeah. angry. Yeah, he was awesome. I was a huge fan. Yeah, um, so the announcers do question early on whether a guy as big as either of these two can win four matches in one night. Um, but Bam Bam's in full control. Um, oh no, this is where Slick gets involved. Yeah, oh. this is Slick's big moment. So Bam Bam's in full control. And then he goes to come off the ropes and all of a sudden, the top rope is lowered and uh, it's slick with his cane. Oh, with he pulls the cane. rope down Classic and uh, Bam Bam tumbles over the ropes, takes a hard fall and that's him on the floor. Um, and eventually, Bam Bam gets himself back up and back in, does a cartwheel in the ring. What? Uh, yeah, it seemed a little bit out of place, but he does it. But the bell rings at that point. He's already been counted out. He can cartwheel all he likes, but it's <laughs> over. It's uh, one man, one man gang's going through to the next round. Nice. Um, and then my, my the final first round match, um, and this one annoyed me a bit as well. But I suppose I can see the reason why they did it. Um, Jake the Snake Roberts against Ravishing Rick Rude. Um, I was a big fan of both these guys. Um, I think especially. With Rick Rude in the later years, like looking back, I mm-hmm. uh, don't know that I appreciated him at the time, but now I can look back and think, hey, he's pretty awesome. Um, and Jake the Snake was just, there was something about him. He, he had it. Um, and uh, we've got um, Ravishing Rick Rude doing his posing and all of his, his heel stuff. And But they always make a point, I always think this in his matches, of showing that he can wrestle. Mm-hmm. I mean, not every heel can't wrestle. He he, he can out-wrestle anyone. Um, yeah, and he good, just looks... Good standing suplex, doesn't he? Yeah. Ver- and vertical suplex. Every, everything he does just looks really good. Mm-hmm. He's a very, very good wrestler. Um, and Rude's actually in, in control for most of this match. And he's got... Uh, at a point, he's got Jake the Snake in a chin lock. And... Um, uh, Jake basically does a like a sit down to to drop uh, Rude's chin onto Jake's head yep. uh, as a counter, and then Jake kind of goes into his repertoire of moves when he's uh, heading towards going for a DDT. It's like a, a backdrop, a short clothesline, um, and just as he's setting up, Rude manages to to push Jake into the corner, and at that point, the announcers start talking about the time limit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a, a moment where both men have the same idea both go for a big clothesline and they're both down and on the mat um, Rude actually gets in a, a position where he's gone for a pin uh, on Jake blatantly has two feet on the ropes on the t- t- turnbuckle when he's doing it um, but <clears throat> the the ref hits the one then the two but then the bell rings before the three nice it's a time limit draw, very nicely timed um, by the the guy with the ring bell. Um, and then we've got, uh, you know, Jake gets his snake out. Um, but what this does, and I do think this plays into the story, it's been very clear only winners will advance. Right, so, they're both gone. 
they're both gone, which means uh, the one-man gang will get a bye uh, into the semi-finals. So he is he is straight into the semi-finals. Imagine that was Bam Bam. We'd have been so much better. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, before the semi-finals, we have to worry about the quarter-finals. Yep. First quarter-final up, Andre and Hogan. So the winner of this will be facing... Ted DiBiase or Don Morocco. Mm, that's been interesting. What yeah. Andre, Andre, anyway. Andre V. DiBiase. Okay. We could have uh, finger poke of doom in 1988. We could have, yeah. I mean, everything suggests Andre would have just laid down. Um, but yeah, uh, Hogan, the reaction Hogan gets from the crowd is absolutely incredible. Uh, it's, uh, yes. um, this time, in a total contrast to the last match we saw, We've got Andre with all the offence early on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think they play to the the story that Andre, even though he only has to win three matches in a night for him to win it, he cannot be in the ring for a long time. He will need to win these matches quick. Um, so it made sense that, that he's uh, he's going all out quickly. Um, Hogan makes his comeback and we get uh, Andre doing his arms tied in the ropes spot yeah, that he, he that. always liked doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, we get DiBiase and Virgil taking some liberties anytime Hogan's near the ropes. They're, they're just trying to get him. Um, and Hogan, I think at a point is he's kind of like trapped, uh, in the, is he in the corner or does Andre have him? I've not been very clear in my notes here. So apologies. Uh, but Hogan fights out and starts his hulking up. Um, Virgil distracts the ref as DiBiase sneaks in and hits Hogan with a, a chair. There's no real impact. Then a bit as soft a chair shot as you'll ever see. Can you tap some of it? We've we've then got Hogan hitting Andre with the chair. The referee is not pleased with this. No. He he's not happy. Um This felt out of character for Hogan to do this. Yeah. Um I remember talking about it on the was it the WCW show we watched last time round when Ricky Steamboat did the same. Yeah, he was yeah. suddenly very chair happy. Uh, but it at least felt like there'd been a big build to that. Um uh, whereas here I don't know, it's quite a short match and it seems to have escalated pretty quickly. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Andre getting control of the chair, but then by this point, the ref has disqualified both men. So um, I, I, I was looking at this thinking, I mean, Hogan, of the participants, Hogan used the chair first mm-hmm. and the ref definitely saw Hogan use the chair first. Yeah, and he didn't, he didn't do anything. No, he was just willing to let it go. So maybe Andre has been screwed a little bit here. Um yeah. However, um, we've got Hogan chasing DiBiase, who, oh who throws Virgil at Hogan uh, just as a sacrifice. DiBiase can get away. And Virgil then takes a, a suplex on the ramp. That was not a suplex. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but I think he tried to kill him. <laughs> I think they became so close after. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was like a suplex, and then he got him up there and was like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> Um, we've got, I suppose, you know, what would they refer to as the Hogan must pose moment, uh, where Hogan gets his way back into the ring and, and slams Andre, um, but oh, he's so underlined yep. again, both men are eliminated here. Now, the repercussions of this are that the winner of the Ted DiBiase against Don Morocco match is going straight, straight to the final. To the final. Um, so, I mean, uh, there's a little bit of speculation from uh, Ventura and Monsoon about the fact this may have been DiBiase's plan all along. Hmm. Um, basically, it eliminates Hogan. It means uh, 
Andre isn't a threat of any any kind if he decides to change his mind or change his plans. And I think in their minds, you know, DiBiase wins his next match. He is going into this final pretty fresh. Um, so yeah, we uh, we've then got the DiBiase against Don Morocco match. So this quarter final that is effectively a semi final, really. Um, and Don Morocco dominates early. Uh, DiBiase hits Morocco with a clothesline from the top rope for the win. Wow! Uh, which I was thinking at the time may have been pretty innovative. Mm. Um, uh, it's it's not much of a match. DiBiase is a good wrestler. Um, really? And yeah, he, he can work. He's not spectacular or showy, but things look legitimate when he's doing them. Yeah. Um, so he's Ted DiBiase straight into the final. He's he's there already. He can nice. just put his feet up and wait. Um, the final quarter final, Randy Savage against Greg the Hammer Valentine. So this time uh, the robe and the matching Liz outfit are pink. Um, Savage is doing some of his uh, his repertoire double axe handle from the top rope Love for a, a two count. Jimmy Hart starts getting involved, uh, which lets Valentine come come back into the match. Uh, Valentine sets up Savage to go for a figure four leg lock, which I think on the WWF side was his move at the yeah. time. Yeah. Savage manages to grab Valentine's head and roll him into a small package from there Classic. for the pin win. Nice. Um, I thought it was quite good. We didn't have like elbow drop after elbow drop through uh-huh. the through the matches. You have to mix it up a wee bit. Yep. Um, so Savage is going to the semi-final to uh, face a very well-rested one-man gang who didn't have to compete in this round. Um, so we're only going to have one semi-final. Um Savage and Liz out again. Uh, black this time is what they're wearing. Nice. Uh, so one so man. They're, they're both matching each other. Yeah, his robe matches her dress every time. Like that. Um, we must have spent a fortune on the robes. Um, anyway, one man gang. They they play up the fact he is totally fresh. Um, and How's he is. Looking? Oh, as he always does. Slick. Yeah. He is going to play a part here as well. Ooh. Yeah. Effect is effective. Effective manager. Well, we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, a lot of one man gang dominance, and uh, Savage is just occasional comebacks and counters and things like that. And every time he gets any wrestling going, the, the power of the one man gang or Slick getting involved are, are giving the, the advantage back to one man gang. So Slick throws his cane in to the ring. When the ref's back is turned. Oh the one-man gang, Savage is on the mat at this point, the one-man gang proceeds to try to hit him with the stick about 20 times, with Savage rolling out the way every time. And then eventually the ref turns around and sees what's <laughs> going on. It goes on for so long. Um, and then uh, we've got um, the, the the ref, as soon as he sees it, DQ's one-man gang. What an idea. However... One man gang then breaks the the cane on Savage. Oh. So I mean you're looking thinking, oh Savage, you're you're in the final, but what what condition are you in here? This is um, Daniel Bryan levels a stack in the deck. However, Savage does must muster enough when one man gang and Slick are having some kind of weird hug in the middle of the ring. Savage sneaks up to the top turnbuckle 
does his double axe handle on one man gang who then falls on top of Slick. Um, which that's probably quite a bump. Save, save your energy, Randy. Yeah. Big match so up. He's off now and he's, uh, he's, there, there, there's a lot of talk about the fact that we know DiBiase is not coming to the ring alone here. He hasn't done so far. So why would he now? Um, so we've got the final. DiBiase's out first. Andre's in his corner. Virgil is incapacitated due to that non-suplex that, that he took from Hogan. Um, and Savage and Liz out in white this time. Um, it's quite a good wrestling match start. Doesn't last that long as a wrestling match, but I, I, I'm pretty sure both these guys could have a, a good match mm-hmm. uh, between them. Uh, but we've quite quickly got Andre just doing things like grabbing Savage's leg every time he's near the, the ropes and things like that. Um, and it ends up, the distraction leads to DiBiase taking control. Uh, but Savage starts getting back into it with some counters. Um, he sends DiBiase to the outside. And again, he wants to do his double axe handle on the floor. But Andre just ominously stands in front of DiBiase. So there's nothing Savage can do. Can't come off the turnbuckle. Um, Savage then, sick to death with all this interference, goes and speaks to Miss Elizabeth, who leaves ringside. Uh, the announcers sort of briefly speculate this might be for her protection because things are getting a bit lively on the outside. However, we do hear that this is not the first time that this kind of thing has happened. Um, but they don't really talk names and things like that mm. at the point. So Liz then a few minutes later appears back approaching the ring with Hulk Hogan. Gorilla Monsoon is delighted with this. <laughs> he he thinks the numbers game's now even. Let's go. Jesse Ventura is in shock. He can't believe this. He can't believe that the ego of Hulk Hogan would help someone else win the title. Um, Hogan just gets a chair, sits it uh, at ringside in what I think is sort of nominally Savage's corner. And he's just sitting right next to the ring watching the match. We've got uh, DiBiase beating Savage down in the corner. Andre immediately starts attacking Savage as the ref's remonstrating with DiBiase. And oh, Hogan's round. He runs round the ring, takes out Andre. Nice. DiBiase's still in control in the ring. However, this bit surprised me a bit. Um, however, DiBiase, so DiBiase goes to the top, but again, Savage, who's so quick to get to his feet, catches him, throws him to the mat. Savage to the top turnbuckle. Everyone's behind him, go for the elbow drop. DiBiase moves. Savage hits the mat hard. DiBiase locks in a sleeper. It's looking pretty grim now for, for Macho Man Randy Savage. However, Andre is remonstrating with the ref. Oh, God. Hulk Hogan no. uses the distraction to sneak into the ring and hits DiBiase with the chair. Of course he does. Jesse Ventura is quite rightly incensed. That's terrible, Monsoon. I can't believe Hogan would stoop to that level. Um, it's a fair point. He's right. Um, Savage, flying elbow off the top rope. New champion, Macho Man Randy Savage. A tainted victory, though, Monsoon, says Ventura. Come on, Gorilla. 
Um, Savage and Elizabeth and Hogan all celebrating in the ring. I kept my eyes out just in case Hogan was getting a bit handsy, like, but that must be later on that that story starts to build. Um, it's all very, you're the man, macho man. Um, there's, there's nothing dubious going on at this stage. Um, Savage hands the belt over to a tearful Miss Elizabeth and then lifts her onto his shoulders. And, uh, that's us. Lovely. It's, um, it's a terrible WrestleMania, but it's quite a good story of the tournament and crowning the new big babyface champion. And obviously, I think we've talked before about where things go from there, yep. uh, which is excellent. All the way to WrestleMania 5, yep. Yep. Well, thank you for that um, that summarisation. I was meaning it that. to be a bit more brief. But, no, that was yeah, good. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, you had me hooked there, actually. I'm going to give you a very, very brief sort of rundown of some of the, the words that are um, on, uh, what's it, cagematch.net talking about this WrestleMania. Okay. I'll just very quickly go through them. <laughs> Surely this is the worst mania ever. Um, the crowd sucked. Terrible decision to run this tournament. I hate this show. Overall, from top to bottom, a terrible WrestleMania. WrestleMania 4 is notorious for one good reason. Uh, the issues with WrestleMania 4 have long been recorded. And then, a little shining light. 8.0, an underrated event. The tournament vibe is great. That sounds like Alec Baldwin's character and friends. I th- I, the thing is, I do remember enjoying it when I was a kid, and I thought it was really cool that they had a tournament. I think um, tournaments always sound cool on paper. Yeah, but watching it now... It's just so long and drawn out. And you know from the start there's maybe like three contenders to go and win this. And uh, some of the matches just seem irrelevant. Um, And it it feels like it drags on and on through the show. I mean, I think my personal favourite thing that happened at this WrestleMania was the Battle Royal on the opening match (laughs) won, won by Bad News Brown when he eliminates Brett after they had formed a pact and Brett is incensed and smashes up the trophy. Nice. It's it's great. You should see how angry he is. Brett's a heel here, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, um, and he's he's healing up. I like it. Cool. Yeah. I may have to go back and watch it. Oh, well, thank you for that. I enjoyed that. Um, I can't believe we've managed to speak for this long about a 49 minute show. I think it's, this is actually longer than a lot of our other shows, yeah. which is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, yeah. Nice pick again. You're uh, batting a hundred, as they say. Pro- probably not quite as uh, as impressive in ring, but good stories, I think. On the go. Yeah. and and a significant event. Yeah, um, I am. I'm so so. I'd, for for our next pay per view, I've I sort of jumped back and forward with what it's difficult. So I, I don't know if you do this, but you think you might want to watch something, then you watch something like this, and you think, maybe. Maybe we should watch more of that. Uh, WrestleMania 5 would be cool to watch right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's not what I'm doing. Um, I was getting a little bit excited about AEW and New Japan's Forbidden Door pay-per-view that was coming up. Um, yep. And thought about that. And then I saw that they booked Will Ospreay oh. against Orange Cassidy and decided I didn't want to watch that <laughs> at all. Um so I'm going a little bit outside the box here, Adam. I've already told you what I'm doing. Um, I wanted to try and do a wee TNA pay-per-view just to yep. 
to keep things a little bit spicy. Uh, ever watch any? I watched a little bit back in the day. I remember for a while there was this thing uh, on Sky called the Wrestling Channel. And um, it had their, whatever the, would it have been Impact? I assume it would have been Impact, uh, their their main TV show. But it also had like the pay-per-views, right. not live, but it would show them. Um, and so I, I used to watch a little bit and uh, I remember being, you know, see, you'd see some things and you'd be a bit blown away. Because um, there's some people that have gone on to become pretty big stars elsewhere mm. that were featured pretty heavily, and then I think I, I switched off a little bit when they brought in. It just felt like too many ex WWE guys, uh, and they stopped spotlighting their guys. Yeah, um, yeah. WCW two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so do you think you've watched this? Then it's TNA Sacrifice from two thousand and seven. I don't think I have. Okay. I had when you mentioned it to me first time. I had a look at the card, and I don't think I've seen it. Okay, cool. That's good. Um, I'll I'll run through the card quickly, um, and we can see what we thought of it next time. So we've got a TNA X Division Title match, three way match: Chris Sabin versus Jay Lethal versus Sonjay Dute. Yep. Uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Robert Roode. Yep. Rhino versus Christopher Daniels. Oh yes. Um, a two-on-one handicap match: Basham and Damager versus Kip James, who I believe is a road dog, is it? Yes. Um, Texas Death Match: Chris Harris versus James Storm. I don't recognise either either of those names. Do you? Mm, James Storm, I think, went into WWE developmental for a little while, and right. it didn't didn't work out. Okay. I think. Yeah. Um, a four-way match: Jerry Lynn. Versus Alex Shelley versus Senshi Senshi versus Tiger Mask. Okay. Uh, NWA World Tag Team Title Three Way Dance Team 3D versus Scott Steiner and Tomko versus the Latin American Exchange. Tomko. Yeah, Tomko, give me a beat. I remember no. Tomko. I mean, so, so he had his role, but I'm not sure about him in in Scott like, Steiner and Tomko's a funny. I think I think there was some um, stable called like the Christian Coalition or something like that. Ah, okay. And I yeah. wonder if that's at this point where that would fit with Tomko, and I'm sure Scott Steiner was in that group. So. Yeah, nice. Oh, I've remembered what I remember. I had to look it up, but James Storm when he was in TNA for a part of his time in TNA. He was in a, a tag team with Bobby Roode called Beer Money and they were brilliant. Were they, they were absolutely brilliant. Yep. I like Robert Roode. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles, who've had quite the, nice. quite the rivalry over the years. That should be good. That's awesome. Uh, and the main event is a triple threat Christian Cage versus Sting versus Kurt Angle for the NWA World Heavyweight title. It's quite a card. There's a lot on it. Um, I always liked uh, Christopher Daniels. He he went to AEW, didn't he? Uh, I think he's involved backstage now, right? Yeah, he, might be he was head of talent or something. He like ended that. He was quite often in the mix with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, um, and they had brilliant matches between the three of them. Either you know three way matches or just individually. Yeah. Um, he was he was pretty over as well, I think. And I remember there was talk that they were going to bring him in to be the higher power. Yeah. Um, but he Vince eventually decided he wasn't believable. He was too small or something like that. I thought, yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy. 
Um, so I let's let's see what it's like. Awesome, that'll be good because, like I say, I watched some of it. Um, this does not ring a bell, and there's some really good sounding matches on there. I've got some good news for you. Yep. On commentary, Don West and Mike Tenney. Brilliant. Brilliant. Bring on Iron Mike. <laughs> uh, so, yep, there we go. We'll go from 1988 to 2007, just like that. Nice. It's a, it, I was going to say it's a while since we've done anything recent, but uh, yeah, that's me still thinking that 2007 was like last week. Wait until I do the birthdays for 2007, please. Oh, Jesus. I probably, won't, I probably wouldn't have heard of any of them. There's probably people <laughs> wrestling in WWE that were born in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> nah, maybe not. Right. That was awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed your pick. Thank you. Um, I hope cool. that, that TNA doesn't disappoint. I'm sure it won't. It's 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 a good looking show. This will be fun. Aye. Um, yeah, as always, hit us up on Instagram at Outlaws Pod. And until next time, take it easy, Adam. Stay off the. Just take it easy on these steroids. Okay? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> um, we'll see you in two weeks. Cool. Cheers. Bye bye.